Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Everybody loves an underdog story. Yeah. Isn't that true? I don't know what that is, like why everybody loves an underdog story. My theory, is, my armchair expert theory is that uh, we all think of ourselves as underdogs. So when we see an underdog win, we're like, that's a win for me, check. But I'm not a doctor, so you can ignore all that. Um, has anyone ever heard of the miracle on ice? Have you heard of this? So let me raise your hand if you've even heard the words. If you've heard the words miracle on ice, raise your hand. Only a few. Now, y'all keep your hand raised if you know like, what that is and what it means. Because I had heard the words, but I had no idea what it actually was. So I'm going to tell you. I'm excited to tell you. In the 1980 Winter Olympics, the Soviet Union hockey team uh, was a veteran hockey like Olympian team. So these are, this is the gold medal hockey match between the Soviet Union and the United States. 1980, Winter Olympics, gold medal hockey match. So the Soviet Union versus the United States. And the Soviet team were the heavy favorites to win. Everyone was convinced the Soviet Union was going to win. And there were like a bunch of really good reasons why everyone thought that. So let me talk about this team for a little bit. They had won four straight Olympic golds, four straight gold medals, um, in the Olympics for the Soviet Union team. They had not lost an Olympic Games since 1968. So to do the math for you, 12 years, 12 years undefeated in the Olympics for the Soviet team. Again, this is the gold medal match versus the United States. They had actually beaten the United States um, like days before the Olympics. They had beaten the United States 10 to three in like an exhibition match. So it like didn't matter toward the gold medal, but it, it was just, clearly they showed the Soviet Union was a better team. Now, then you have the United States team. Going into the Olympics, they were ranked seven out of 12. They were ranked seventh out of the 12 teams. All of the players were basically amateurs from the Northeast United States. I'm actually going to show you the last minute of hockey, the last minute of gameplay in this gold medal match. And uh, just to set the stage, the United States is up by one point, four to three. The United States is up one minute left on the clock. And you're going to see the Soviet Union in red spend the whole time, that whole minute on offense, um, trying to score on the United States team who's wearing white. And this is how it went down. Get the now Petrov controls. Back to Parlamov. Getting in on the left side. Into the American end, 55 seconds, but Mikhailov has the puck. Mikhailov sweeping in, out in front, backhander goes wide. I think Craig might have got a just a piece of it. Mikhailov, back out to Billy Legendov. 43 seconds remaining. Morrow, checked into the boards, it comes back to center ice. 38, 37 seconds left in the game. Petrov with it, the Americans on top, 4-3, to three. long shot. Craig able to get a piece of it to sweep it away. 28 seconds. The crowd going insane. Carlemont shooting it into the American end again. Morrow is back there. Now Johnson, 19 seconds. Johnson over to Ramsey. Big Legendov gets checked by Ramsey. McClanahan is there. The puck is still loose. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in
imagine being the hawk, the uh, the the goalie? Can you imagine being the goalie in that situation? What? It was over and over again. That last minute, just like knowing that if you are one player, if you mess up, <laughs> you're going into a shootout. It's going to change everything. But that that goalie held out, uh, and something really special happened. On that night in 1980, the miracle on ice. On paper, the Soviet Union team was, they had the game in the bag. It was not a question of if they were going to win. But they found out that statistics don't matter once you get on the ice. The only thing that matters when game time comes is how many times you put the puck in the net. And on that night, the Soviet Union was not able to do it. It's not about qualifications. It's about real life action. So we're in this series called Play Nice. And in this series, we've been talking about um, loving people, how to love people, and how we do that here at Apex. So um, we are going to continue. We've talked about being united. We said our oneness is our witness, right? And then last week, Dave led us in a conversation about our words, how we talk, how we talk about people, how we talk to people. Uh, Your words are your superpower. And tonight, we're talking about Um, what we really do to show love, like what we really do, uh, the work we put into showing love to the people around us, because we have a goal at Apex. It's been a goal for a very long time. Uh, You may be hearing it for the first time. It's our bottom line for our conversation tonight. And our goal is that we work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. We work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. Jesus has been very clear on the importance of showing love to people. Many, many times. John 15, 13 says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Luke 6, 27 says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. John 3, 16, you might know it. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In this series, we're talking about creating a healthy community at Apex. If we say that we're about love, what does that really look like in our Wednesday night service, at Apex events, on a Sunday morning? What does it really look like to be for love and to, be, to, to make this goal a part of our DNA? We work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. I've said this before in different contexts throughout our series, but some of you in this room did not experience this when you came. I'm very aware of that. Some of you did. Some of you came to Apex and you felt welcomed and included and safe and seen. Welcome, included, safe and seen. And others in the room did not feel that way. But you stuck it out anyway. Or you came back. And eventually maybe you got there or you're still working through it. No matter what your experience is, I just want to encourage you that now you have the opportunity, you have the opportunity and the ability to create the experience that you either had or wish you had. So now that you are here, you get to contribute to the community. You get to contribute to making it a place where people are welcomed, included, safe, and seen. We're talking about how to do that tonight. We're talking about hospitality, how we treat our guests, people that walk in. And some of you are that person. I hope you feel love tonight. I hope you experience that. Um, But even if you don't, tonight is your opportunity to contribute to making it happen here at Apex. It's easy uh, to see how important hospitality is when we think about it, consider the following. What would happen if we don't have it? If we like play that scenario out a little bit, what happens if we are not a place, the friendliest place on earth? What happens if we aren't a place about love and hospitality? If we aren't hospitable to our guests, when someone comes to Apex for the first time and no one talks to them, no one welcomes them, 
uh, they walk in and out of our doors without experiencing the love of God, without experiencing the love of the Apex community, and they don't come back. And I know how much Apex has meant to me and to many of you in this room and to many people before you, and we don't want to see that happen. We want people to have the same experience we had, We're a life-giving community. It's a tragedy when people don't experience that. So imagine what happens when we get this right. I play that scenario out. When people feel welcomed, included, safe, and seen at Apex, they want to come back. They want to invite more people. They want to invest, contribute to the community here, serve. And when that happens, they get closer to Jesus, which is ultimately the goal that we create. We work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth so that people can experience Jesus here. That's what we're really about. We want Apex to grow in a healthy way. We want more people to experience what the community we've experienced here. And we do that through hospitality. This is why we work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. So let's talk about that. That's a big word. You might not know what it means. Hospitality. Now, um, I found a quick definition. It is not it's no Dave's definition deep dive, but it will have to do for tonight. Hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Friendly and generous reception of our guests. I don't know if that experience matches your experience at Apex. I'm not sure if that sounds like Apex to you or not, but again, we have the opportunity and the ability to make Apex like this. As we're thinking about hospitality tonight, we're thinking about how to make Apex a hospitable place, the friendliest place on earth. We're going to talk about three things that hospitality is. Hospitality is a matter of love. It's a matter of God's character. It's a matter of attitude. It's a little more wordy than I like, but you're going to have to bear with me. Hospitality is a matter of love a matter of God's character, and a matter of attitude. So let's start with that first one. Hospitality is a matter of love. Hospitality is a matter of love. So it's love put into action. So let's look at the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see God re-revealing himself to, his, to humanity, to his people, to his chosen people. And he does that. In the book of Leviticus, we see him describing what, it, what his people should look like. And when we open it, we're like, that's weird. Like a bunch of laws and like, weird calculations of like how big the tabernacle should be, lots of weird stuff. But ultimately, Leviticus is a description of what's God, what God's people should look like. It's the qualifications, the, the laws, we call them laws, the description of what God's people should look like. And in teaching his people how to be his people, it says this in Leviticus 19, do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. This verse shows us how hospitality works with the people of God, how it's supposed to work. We are supposed to show love to people in their time of need. Imagine for the Israelites, this situation. They are, this is like a different way of living, a different culture, a different life experience. Imagine it with me. When people, um, when strangers entered the Israelite community, they probably didn't speak the language. This is much like an immigrant we would, we would experience today. They did, probably didn't speak the language. They didn't like ha have the right currency, maybe. They didn't, um, they didn't have the, the cultural norms. They didn't understand the culture. They didn't know, have any people. If a family moved in from a different land, a different nation, they didn't have any people to rely on to meet their needs. They were complete strangers. And the people of God were instructed by God that you fill needs for those people. You look out for the people who don't have people. 
That is our, our role as God's people. We look out for the people who don't have people. And that extends to us here at Apex. That's what we do. You know what it's like to be to a new group. You know what it's like to be the new kid wherever it is, uh, where you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know any of the people. You don't have people to call on to help you through those things. You might feel awkward. And so we have to step out and be there for those people in our community. We need to be there for people who don't have people. This verse also shows us love is not given. No, no, no. Love is given. Yes. Not earned. That's the distinction that God's making here. Love is given, not earned. It's easier for us to wrap our heads around. Um, I'll scratch your back. You scratch mine. Are you familiar with this, this phrase? Don't know where it comes from. Should have looked it up. It's a weird thing. People just say. <laughs> I don't scratch many people's backs. But it's, it's a phrase, right? So I help you out and you can help me out, right? It's easier for us to wrap our minds around loving and serving and helping those types of people. But God's people do things differently. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. By definition, we help strangers. And by definition, strangers are people that we don't know. We, we don't know what value they can add to our lives. And God's saying it doesn't matter. You don't, look, you don't serve people who can serve you. You serve everyone. You serve the people who don't have people, regardless of what you could get in return. We love everyone. It's freely given. We don't wait for people to earn it. It's like Jesus did for us, right? Freely we've received from him, so freely we give love to other people. Which leads me to the second idea. Hospitality is a matter of God's character. It's something we see with God all throughout scripture. We understand God through the Bible. It's writings about how God has interacted with humanity for thousands of years. We understand him through these words and we are called to, to follow his example, to follow the example of Jesus. We're supposed to be like the God we serve. And God has shown us love and served us. Even though he is the creator and we are the creation, he has served us. So we're supposed to love and serve people in return. Let me start with an example from the Old Testament. Exodus 12 is the story of God's people, God's chosen people, the Israelites. They are enslaved in Egypt. They are being made to do to hard labor. They are oppressed and abused by the Egyptians. So they cried out to their God and they said, God, save us. We really need out of this situation. We're tired and we need help. And he heard their cries and he did that. He saved them from their abusers. He led them out of Egypt and into a land of their own. They did not earn God's favor in this process. On the contrary, they were really annoying about it and like constantly betrayed God over and over. There was a time where they were like, I'm just so hungry. At least when I was a slave, I knew I had food on my table. And can you see the, the, the uh, cosmic eye roll from God? Like, I just delivered you from slavery and you're complaining about you, you, you don't want to eat bread anymore. You get, you're tired of what I'm feeding you. So... This is a, these are people that didn't earn God's favor through the process. But God continued to show them grace and show them love and patience. And it was because he lo it was his love for them that drove him to action. We see God keep this up in the New Testament. So now we have Jesus, God as man walking among his creation. And Jesus was a pro at serving people. I'm about to give you a bunch of uh, examples. Jesus just, he was there for the people who didn't have people. He, he looked, he reached out to the rejected around him. A few examples. Uh, you might be familiar with the woman at the well. She was rejected by the people in her town, uh, but Jesus paused. He saw her. He spoke to her just culturally should not be doing these things. And it was his love and his revelation that led her to follow him and then to tell her whole town about it and tell her whole town about the man who told her everything she's ever done. You may be familiar with um, the disciple named Matthew and um, 
This was a guy who, he was rejected again, but he was rejected by his community because he was a Jewish tax collector. And so the Jewish people were occupied by the Roman government. And Matthew, a Jewish person, worked for the Roman government. He was basically a snitch. His job was to work for the Romans and tax his people. And he would, you know, maybe take some off the top. He wasn't really an honest guy. He was, he was consider a considered a traitor by his people, rejected. But Jesus saw through that, and he called Matthew to something more. He challenged him and changed him. At the Last Supper, this is the painting. Remember the Last Supper? We saw this painting a couple of weeks ago. Everybody sitting on the same side of the table. Um, there were some things that Jesus did at, this, at the Last Supper that really showed that he was a servant. Uh, first of all, he washed the feet of his disciples. They, this was a like particularly dirty and humbling thing for someone to do because imagine like washing a car today maybe because like they were walking. They didn't have a car, so they're walking, so feet are dirty. And Jesus got on a knee and he, he served the people that were following him. He washed their feet and it was a huge sign to show his service. He also told his followers at this place that he needed to go. He was about to die and go to, uh, to you know, ascend into heaven. And he said, he's going to prepare a place for us there. So I imagine Jesus, you know, in heaven, setting a table, getting us, getting a place ready for us. That is literally hospitality. Jesus was a hospitable, is a hospitable God. The best example that you would see here of Jesus serving would be the crucifixion. Uh, his, his love for us drove him to action. Um, Jesus suffered a painful, humiliating death on the cross because our sin separated us from God and and there, it was a price that had to be paid. And so Jesus died for us. He did all of that so that we could make a decision, decide to follow him, decide to put our faith in him, and then have access to our creator. It was the crucifixion that brought us into a relationship with our creator. It's a perfect example of love, service, hospitality. So this last idea is very much... Um, how it plays out for us, right? So it's about love because it's the extension of what God has done. It's a part of his character. We see it all throughout. And this last one is really how it plays out in us. Um, hospitality is a matter of attitude. This means how we go about hospitality is important. Sometimes Sam will ask me to get a drink for her from the kitchen. And it's like a weird trigger for me for some reason. I don't know. It's my trauma. I'm dealing with it. I know it's weird. So like if Sam were to ask me to get her a glass of water, instead of saying, yes, dear, I would be delighted to serve you, I say something like, well, you're going to be mad if I don't, so I guess I have to. Or I might say something like, do I have to? These are things you've probably said to your parents, which if your her is not like what you want to hear from your loving husband, who just asked to do you a small, tiny favor. And if you're me, just not a smart or kind thing to say. When you're serving people, Attitude is important. It's the same for the hospitality we have here. We are here to serve people who walk through the doors at Apex. The disciple Peter wrote letters to Christians, and uh, much like we've talked about how Paul wrote letters to churches, Peter did this a little bit as well. In 1 Peter 4, he wrote this, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins, and cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. He instructed Christians. He instructed Christ's followers to serve people with needs, to, to, um, to serve people who had no people. And not just to serve them, but to serve them cheerfully. It's our job to work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. And part of doing that is doing that cheerfully. We have to keep a watchful eye on our attitude. 
and, and be careful about how we think about our role here. Um, we don't fake it because people can sniff out fake, right? You certainly can. <laughs> so give that skill to the people around you, right? People can tell when you're faking it. So we really love, we really serve, we really care about the people that, walks in here, that walk in here. So when a small group leader says, would you go sit by that person? That doesn't have anyone to sit by tonight. You could make your response, do I have to? Because to be honest, no, <laughs> you don't have to. You just don't. We aren't here to make you do stuff. That's not why we do this. But if you don't, you're missing an opportunity to be used by God to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. That's what's at stake. And that's our goal. So we work hard to make Apex, Apex the friendliest place on earth, and we need you to do that. The Soviet hockey team in 1980 learned something really important about game time. They learned that when it's game time, nothing else matters. When it's game time, your qualifications, your past experiences, your good intentions, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is your action. The only thing that matters is working hard, doing what it takes to achieve your goal. As a reminder, our goal, we work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. And it's game time right now. Every Wednesday night, every Apex event, Sunday mornings, this is game time. It's time to make hospitality a priority. And so let's talk about game plan a little bit. How do we do that? How do we make Apex the friendliest place on earth? I have some very practical ideas that I think are very helpful. I have found them helpful. Okay, watch your heart. This is the question we just talked about, the question of attitude. Now, your good intentions don't matter when it's game time. It's about what you do, but we still want to keep an eye on our heart. Watch your heart. Secondly, watch your mouth. Trigger warning if you had a mom who's hardcore like I did. Um, watch your mouth is like a, it takes me to a place, right? That she's coming with the soap to wash my mouth. Um, we take care of people by being careful about how we talk about them. I don't care how, hear me here. I don't care how much you dislike a person. We don't talk bad about anyone here. As a period, as a general rule, sorry, that was very cringe. So cringe. <laughs> so as a general rule, if you're in a group talking negatively about a person, you're doing it wrong. It's unhealthy. Here is a rule. So if you are like in a group, anyone in the entire world should be able to join that group and not be hurt. Anyone in the whole world, whether it's somebody that you're talking about directly, somebody who um, isn't a Christ follower, somebody who thinks differently politically than you, anyone in the world should be able to join your conversation and not have their feelings hurt. Now, let me just take a step back and say, yes, we don't lie to each other. We say the truth. So don't hear me say something I'm not saying. But when you are here, anyone should be able to join your conversation and not have their feelings hurt. It's a good test. All right. Watch your feet. This is, um, this is a rule that we've been, probably the one we reference the most. Watch your feet. When you are talking in groups, we make a U formation with our feet because a circle is closed. That's how circles work, right? So when we're in a circle, you might hear a leader come up to you and say, watch your feet. And what that means is you have made a circle with your friends. And what a circle communicates is we don't need anyone else to be a part of this. We watch our feet and we make a U so that there's always an open place. And when someone joins and then makes our U a circle, we watch our feet and we make another U. Does that make sense? Yes. Very helpful. It's been helpful to me. Fourth, watch the room. Watch the room. Hospitality is we, right, we do this for the people who don't have people. So hospitality is best given where it is most needed. So look around for people who are not experiencing Apex as the friendliest place in the world. 
it can be easy for us to, and I want to have a lot of grace here because it can be easy for us to just like get caught up in our friend group and uh, not even notice like other people around us. But I'm not content with that. I'm not content with like that norm being okay. And I hope you're not either. I love that you love your friends, but watch the room for others. Watch the room for people who don't have people. So people here, maybe for the first time or the second time, uh, maybe they haven't connected with anyone yet. It's your job to help them make that happen. It's your job to help them see that Apex is the friendliest place on earth. I don't care if you know them. I don't care if you like them or if they smell bad. It doesn't matter. It is your job to help people feel that Apex is the friendliest place on earth. This can sound difficult. So let's think it through. I'm going to give you practical ideas about how to watch the room, how to take care of people. Um, you can, I don't know, introduce yourself to someone. <laughs> this is, it seems basic, uh, but I know it can be difficult. And that, I want to address that. It can be awkward for a second. Um, but just bring a friend, swallow your pride, for, uh, allow yourself to be awkward for a minute, and welcome somebody. Feel awkward so that they don't have to. If somebody's sitting by themselves, a lot of times they're feeling pretty uncomfortable. So if you walk up and introduce yourself, bring a friend, introduce them, you are making yourself a little uncomfortable so that they don't have to feel uncomfortable. You are sharing that load with them. Um, if you don't know what to talk to people about, I use an acronym that's been very helpful. Form, the word form, F-O-R-M. So if I don't know what I'm talking about with somebody, you might notice me doing this with you sometime. Um, I will use this acronym to have a conversation. F is for family, O is for occupation, R is for recreation, M is for mission. Family, occupation, recreation, mission. So family, I'm going to ask you uh, if you have any siblings, what your parents are like, um, what are your, are you going to see any interesting family for the holidays? Um, family. Occupation. So it might be your job. If I'm doing this with grownups, I might ask what they do. For you, it might be what school do you go to? What's your favorite class? Do you do any, um, any like, fun activities at school, which will bleed into recreation. What do you do for fun? Do you have any hobbies? What's your favorite video game? That kind of stuff. And then mission is a very deep thing. And it could be like, how do you serve at Apex? Um, what do you think your life, what, why do you think you're here? What's your purpose? That's some like really deep stuff. So maybe you don't get there, but form FORM has helped me a whole lot. This one might be even easier. Take your whole friend group to somebody who doesn't have people. Take your whole group there and continue to talk about with whatever you were talking about by them, <laughs> with them slash by them. It can be that easy. That's all the effort it takes is to, to, feel some, to make someone feel included is to have your conversation that you're already having by them. Something else really practical. When someone new, someone that hasn't maybe contributed to the conversation before says something, validate them. Congre don't congratulate them. I don't mean like give them applause, but like smile at them, say, yes, that's a good point. You know, validate, acknowledge that they are contributing because it can be go, it can be tough, right? When you're in a new group and you say something, like you're taking a risk. You're like stepping out on a limb, right? So encourage those people, acknowledge that they took that risk and validate them for what they said. Now, these are really practical ideas. I hope they're helpful. But the main point is the main point and we want to keep it that. Hospitality is the main point. Working hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth, that is the main point. That's what we're all about. So, I just would like to invite you. Would you join us in this mission to make Apex the friendliest place on earth? Would you take that challenge? Would you join this team? Um, accept that responsibility? I'm, I'm welcoming you to the Apex family and asking you to help us as we work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this group. I don't think anyone here is on accident. Um, you have created this moment 
Nobody's here by accident, and you've created this moment to, to speak to us, to change us, and to make us more like you. So God, tonight, I ask that you would help us to uh, help us on this mission to Apex, make Apex the friendliest place on earth. Help us tonight to uh, make this true about this place, about this community. God, I pray you give us opportunities to do that, and then the courage, the boldness to maybe be a little uncomfortable, to help somebody feel comfortable. So uh, we ask that you would give us those opportunities tonight to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. We can only do that with your help, and we only do it so people can have community with you, ultimately. Having community here that we enjoy each other is really, really nice. But the ultimate goal is so that people can experience your love. That is why we work hard to make Apex the friendliest place on earth. We love you. We dedicate it to you. It's in your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex student podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.